Well, hey, and welcome back to the Voices of Social Change podcast. This is part two of this week's interview. So if you missed part one, I definitely recommend that you run back and catch that before you tune in here. I've split it up into parts to make it a little easier to listen to, but that also allows us to spend an entire week with one social entrepreneur. And so if you're just hitting this one, this is the podcast where we interview a new social entrepreneur every week, learn the tools of the trade. So part two of this interview coming right up. Well, hey, Change Nation, and welcome back to part two of this week's interview. We'll go ahead and get that started right away, like I mentioned in the intro. Hopefully, if you're tuning in today, you have caught part one, but part two can be a great way to listen in and just get some quick insights. That's where I ask a lot of questions about tools that they're using. And then lastly, I chime in and just go solo for the last 15 minutes and kind of give you my key takeaways. So if that's all you're wanting to grab, part two can be a good standalone piece, but I still would recommend you tune into part one at some point to learn the story story of this cause-based founder and the, and the company that they created. So that's that. And the only other thing I just want to kind of keep mentioning this, you'll hear me mention this quite a bit here over the next few weeks, is our cause-based shopping guide, the story of 50 businesses, 50 causes, 50 ways to shop and change the world. I've done this with a partner organization called causeartist.com. We came together to create this guide and designed it to be your roadmap as you navigate the world of social good and social good companies. You can get that totally for free. It's an electronic guide and cause artists, they are graphic design geniuses. (laughs) So they put together an absolutely beautiful guide. So definitely take a look at that. Uh, You can click into that. I have a few little banners up on my website. It says shop with a purpose, or there's another one that says social good shopping guide over on the right kind of bar. But the best way really is just go to socialgoodshopping.com. Again, that's socialgoodshopping.com. Com. And I'll be putting the, the links to this in the show notes so you can click into that. But that'll get you that guide and we'll get it sent your way and get you kind of plugged into this whole world. Again, that's totally for free. Our gift to you, something we created to help you navigate this space. Lastly, if you're not on the Social Change Nation newsletter, go ahead and sign on there. You can link up with that at socialchangenation.com. And it's just on the right, the newsletter sign up. I'm also going to start putting this in the link in all of our show notes. You can click right into the newsletter if you want, because that's really just the best way to keep in touch with everything that we have going on. We send you a weekly update on Fridays, and that will get you the latest happenings here at Social Change. And we'll get you some easy links to click into these podcasts and keep them organized from part one to part two to even our bonus podcast, which you'll (laughs) see a little bit about here coming up. But okay, without any further ado, let's get to part two of this week's interview. Okay, and we're back with Amy McLaren uh, chatting around World Teacher Aid. And I want to just go ahead and take us through the same set of rapid-fire questions that I ask everyone that comes on the show. Um, And Amy, this just gives us a good chance to hear a little bit more about just kind of your philosophies and and to share some of the resources that you're using with us um, because we figure if they're working for you, they'll probably work in our cases as well. So you ready to get rocking and rolling? Sure. Okay, perfect. Uh, What is a social venture, aside from World Teacher Aid, that you think we got to check out? Um, Free the children. Free the children. Perfect. And then what about an online resource uh, like a Zendesk uh, that you think all social entrepreneurs should use? Um, I love, right now I use Zoom.us, which is similar to Skype, but it has more, um, more options in it that you can use. We use that for all of our video meetings once a month for our meetings for our team on the ground in Kenya. We come through Zoom um, 
Zoom.us. Zoom.us. You know, I've never actually heard of that, and I use Skype all the time. But if, if it works better, I'm all for trying it. Yeah, it's, it, I've been using it, and I love it. Um, so. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'll give, give that one a shot. Uh, one piece of advice you'd give an aspiring change agent? Um, to um, go with your gut. <laughs> Love it. It's, uh, it's, it's served, served me well, too. I can definitely attest to that. Perfect. Uh, what about a favorite fun escape? I love um, Southeast Asia. It's big Thailand. Got it. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I haven't, haven't been there yet. South America has been mine so far, but from everything I've seen and heard of Southeast Asia, it's definitely a place I need to check out. Well, I, I was thinking as you were going through the questions today, I want to check. I want to go to Peru. Peru's been on our list um, for a while, and Stu and I have been talking about it, so I'm going to have to talk to you a little bit about Peru and get your insights, too. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I, I, I you know, shared this on the show. I, I lived there for a whole year. I was all over the country. I, I love it. It's, it's a phenomenal place. So, yeah, glad to tell you anything I can about it. So. And, and anyone tuning in as well, you should you should check it out or, or shoot me an email if you're thinking about going there. I can can let you know what it's all about. But it's it's one of my favorite places on the planet, that's for sure. That's great. great stuff. Well, last last question for you, Amy, before I, I let you close us out. Um, what's the first thing we can do, all of us, right now, to start changing the world? Um, just just believe that you can. <laughs> Um, just having faith or believe that you can and, and just starting little. I mean, people look at me and say, oh, but I, I don't, I can't start an organization. And I mean, you don't have to start an organization. You don't have to start your own charity. You can go out there and just give back through another organization. It's just action. It's just doing something and not sitting and talking about it. Um, and it doesn't have to be big. It can be so simple and so small um, for sure. Perfect. Love it. Well, Amy, before I go ahead and say goodbye to everyone, I just want to give you the last word here. Um, anything else that you'd like to share with, with my audience? And then last but not least, just let everyone know the best way. We've talked a little bit about it, but just you know, go ahead and share again. The best way to, to reach back out to you all and the work you're doing with World Teacher Aid. No, just to thank you. And if anyone um, is interested to check out our site, worldteacheraid.org. And we also have a Facebook page. And then I also, um, I touched on the program Right to Give a little bit, but you can totally check out the site. It's a great resource for teachers. It's W-R-I-T-E um, to give. And this, that program gives students the opportunity to become published authors. And then we sell the books and the proceeds go to World Teacher Aid. So it's just a great resource for any teachers um, that are hearing it as well, or any moms and dads that have kids in schools. But that's it. So thank you so much for having the opportunity today. Perfect. Yeah. Well, and thank you, Amy. And I will go ahead and put a link in uh, to write to give into the show notes as well for everyone tuning in. And, and Amy, on, on behalf of Social Change Nation and the Voices of Social Change podcast, I just want to thank you uh, for your generosity with your time and your insight. Like I said, you brought us a unique perspective here today, that of a traditional business using that business as a tool uh, for a, a social cause and specifically a charity you've created. So a lot of interesting insight there. I think really important lessons for those of us that, that are in that space. I know a lot of businesses are looking to do exactly what you and Stu have done and uh, you've definitely been an inspiration to them here today so so thank you again and Social Change Nation I will catch you on the flip side thank you so much thank you Hey, Change Nation, Josh here for this quick book break. This is something new we're doing where I recommend a book that I am confident is a tool for us as change makers. And so the book that we're recommending here right now, you'll hear me recommend this a few other times, is The Promise of a Pencil by Adam Braun. If you haven't read it, pick it up. 
It's 30 mantras about how to change the world. Adam is building schools all over the world for children who don't have them. And he did this because of a journey he took as a young college student. It's an amazing story. It changed my life and shaped so much about what we do here at socialchangenation.com. Also, by the way, I have a special way that you could get that book for free. And you can even get an audiobook version of it, which if you're listening to a podcast, that's probably pretty appealing to you. <laughs> um, anyway, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But if you want that, you want to go to audibletrial.com slash social change. Again, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com backslash social change. Promise of a pencil by Adam Braun. Hey, Change Nation, and welcome back. I just wanted to link up with you, something I've been doing lately. It's a new thing for us, where I want to link up with you right after an interview. I'm literally recording this right after my interview with Amy McLaren of World Teacher Aid. And I'm doing that because the thoughts are are fresh in my head, and, and I want to do this as a good way of just really giving you my commentary. And then also, this will give me a regular opportunity. Of course, I'll recap the interview, but it'll give me a regular opportunity also to just touch base with you on anything else that that, that I'd like to. I'll, I'll add this in as about 15 minutes on to uh, every interview. So I've, I've, you've, you've noticed I've now divided them into part one and part two. So this will always come as the second part right after those rapid fire questions is the way that I'll, I'll do this. So anyway, I've, I've done this a, a time or two now and I'm going to keep doing this as long as it continues to be something that you all are finding valuable. But for me, it, it's really great to connect with you right afterwards. And again, we'll the ideas are fresh in my head because I want to give you kind of some of my thoughts and talk through this and hopefully get us conversing about it and and thinking thinking through what we've just heard as opposed to just hearing it and kind of moving on. And so at the very least, it's a valuable exercise for me <laughs> just to take the lessons from these great social entrepreneurs and unpack them and kind of process them in my own way. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and talk about the main lessons that I want to comment on from Amy McLaren of World world teacher aid at today's interview. So Amy, as you heard in the background, Amy or in the background information that Amy was sharing, Amy and her husband, Stu. Now, I've, I've seen them before and you heard me mention this conference several times. What that conference was, it was called the Platform Conference. It's put on by Michael Hyatt, who's a, a very big blogger, very big in the online content space. Most of you, if you're tuning into this podcast, have probably heard of him. He's a big name there. Stu works very closely with him in a number of different capacities. But one of the big things that Stu does is he develops membership. Well, he used to actually, he's moved on from this, but bottom line. So he, well, what I was going to say, he develops uh, membership based sites. So if, if a website wants to continue to provide ongoing content and, and value for people at a premium level, then that can be a membership site. So for example, there are a lot of fitness guys that are doing this nowadays. If they're providing real premium content to people that are getting a lot of value on it, losing weight, exercising in a really good way, that kind of thing, then, then they're able to charge a small fee and build a membership site around that. Or sometimes there's no fee associated with it. I'm part of a big membership site called 48days.net. It's put on by Dan Miller. It's a career site. So that's an example. But Steve's moved on from that and I, or Stu has moved on from that. And I couldn't tell you exactly what he's, he's up to now. But bottom line is he's really, really involved in a lot of tools for businesses and helping businesses do a lot of things a lot better. So that's basically what Stu's up to. But, but the reason I was really interested in talking to Amy specifically is that Amy was really the driver, and Stu would tell you the same thing. He said it to us at the conference. Amy was the driver. Amy was 
Amy was a person who really took Stu by the hand and brought him into this whole world of social good and of charitable action. And the interesting thing about that is that Stu had, continues to have, really, a very traditional business. A lot of the the founders we've talked to have a business where from day one, they've woven a social cause right into that business model. So listen, headphones, sells a pair of headphones, gives the gift of hearing to someone in need. Same thing with Panda, sells sunglasses or sells uh, fashion wear and then gives the gift of vision to a child in need. So you know they've woven that cause in, but Stu and Amy's case is a little different. And I think it's an interesting case for a lot of us because I know that a lot of us out there, we have traditional businesses and we don't necessarily see a fit. And oftentimes there's not necessarily a fit for weaving a social cause in. But what you can do is what Amy and Stu have done. They've taken their entrepreneurial giftings and leveraged those into a charitable endeavor. And that's what I think is so key here. And the message that I think is so important for so many of us out there to hear, because bottom line, I don't think that every business is going to be suited to become a cause-based business. Sometimes it just doesn't quite work out. It doesn't match up with, with the product offerings. It's hard to tell the story. It's hard to brand it. It seems like you have two things going on and that's okay. But if that's the case, then I think that's where what Amy has talked about today becomes so valuable. So with that in mind, I want to talk through just a few things that, that really stuck out. And I'm going to speak specifically to those of us out there who have a traditional business or aspire to have a traditional business. We don't necessarily want to weave that cause in, but we want to view that business as a tool for social good. And so that's that's what I want to chat through here today are some key lessons that I think Amy has for us. The first lesson and to be honest, I was, you know, a little skeptical of this at first. I until recently I had been kind of skeptical of this. Is that your core business offering doesn't necessarily have to be tied to your social cause? And so again, Stu is is building tools for businesses, and Amy is leveraging that business to build schools in Africa. So not necessarily linked, but the key thing is it's an important cause to both of them and they view their business as a tool within that. And so, so that's an important thing. And, and without that, I think that that's the problem, I guess, that, that, that I have sometimes with traditional businesses. And I mentioned this on here before, I shouldn't say, I don't really have many problems with traditional businesses themselves, but in terms of their charity, this is a problem I have. A lot of times you'll go to a traditional business website and you have to dig through about 20 pages to figure out what they give to. And you can't really figure out why they do it. And at the end of the day, you kind of walk away with the feeling that they're just kind of doing it because they feel like they need to, which frankly is a lot of times the case. Um, But what I think Amy and Stu made very clear, what Amy made clear in this is that you can have a charitable venture as part of your business that is near and dear to your heart, but doesn't necessarily tie into your core business. But there are ways that you can use your core business to leverage that in, right? So they have kind of the incentive programs. They ran different teleseminars that they were running as part of their business anyway, but then they wove that story in about a cause that was important to them. And people can see that because they see it coming up time and time again. They know that this is a genuine cause, something that Amy and Stu really care about, continue to care about, and are going to continue to be involved in. That means something to people. 
And Amy mentioned that, by the way, that that meant something to the people that were on that teleseminar. And I think that's 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 the really important message here is that if you're going to do it this way, make sure that it is something that is is genuine for you and something that you you continue to build out in the communication you have with your customers and with your prospective customers. So that that to me is an important message there. You know, if you have a traditional business and leverage it into a charitable venture, make sure that those things are the case. Make sure that you're genuine with it. Make sure that you're continuing to communicate your story and helping people understand why you're pursuing it in that way. Another piece that Amy mentioned that I think was was critical was the idea, and this was interesting to me. I didn't actually realize this until just before I got on the call. I was I was pulling up some information, and I didn't realize actually that World Teacher Aid was their charity. I thought it was a charity that they had supported. So that was really fascinating to me. I was really curious about that. But this is a key point for us because that's an important decision you're going to need to make if you if you go down this path. Are you going to create your own charity, or are you going to partner up with an established charity? Personally. I think that in the majority of the cases, the better idea is to partner up with an existing charity. Now, you still want to vet them and you still want to make sure they're doing work in the way that you you want it to be done, that they're transparent with it, that they're accountable, that it's a sustainable project. But to me, especially for those of us that are trying to weave a social cause into our business, it it's really, really challenging to try and run two organizations. You know, Stu and Amy, I think, have the benefit that that Stu is running the business and Amy seems to be much more focused on world teacher aid. So there's that connection there that I think helps. But still, at the end of the day, I'd be really, really careful before I would try to start my my own charity. I would need a really, really compelling reason to do that. Unless it was, that was the only thing, if, if, if I was starting a charity and that was that was that was what I was going to pour my life into, that's a different story. But if 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 I am if I have a traditional business and I'm wanting a tool for social good, I'm going to be very hesitant to start my own charity personally because I think it can be a real challenge, essentially trying to run two organizations. So just make sure that you're very very sure that that's the best way for you if you really want to go that way. I think that some of the reasons I could see why you might want to do that, Amy, in her case, really wanted to understand every, not just understand, but wanted to create and drive every single aspect of that charitable organization. That's her focus. That's where her heart's at. So it it made sense, I think, from that standpoint. Another thing, though, that is important to recognize is their entrepreneurial background, their background running an organization did leverage pretty well into creating their own charity. But the key there is Amy had the time to do that. If, if you don't, I would I would really, really encourage you to partner up with a an existing charity with an existing movement, I think is is a much much better way to go there. Okay, so let's uh, chat. One other thing that I think is an important message that Amy was was sharing. Understand that your ability to produce in and of itself serves a cause. Not to mention that by running a traditional business, you're, you're creating jobs and creating all kinds of benefits for society. Understand that your ability to bring in funds can be a very, very, very valuable asset for a charitable venture. And so if you're wanting to use your traditional business as a tool to fund a social venture, you're really well positioned to do that because you're already a producer. You already have those skills to bring in those funds. And I'm telling you this from my own nonprofit background, it's not a skill that a lot of folks in the nonprofit space tend to have. 
we got a lot of heart and we got a lot of passion and and we we genuinely believe in the social issue we're trying to tackle but we a lot of times more often than not I think come up a little lacking on that part. So understand that you have a lot to contribute just from that standpoint alone, your ability to produce, your ability to bring in funds. Uh, The last two things that I just want to chat through, the first thing here is this idea of sustainability that Amy mentioned. I cannot stress that enough because I've I've been there before. I've, I've seen this firsthand. Organizations that come in and don't have a plan for the long term, especially when we're talking about outsiders coming into a community, building something. If you're going to be doing something like that, you need to make sure you have a plan for this thing existing for the long haul. There are a lot of examples of programs that have been begun in developing countries. And they're developed and these teams just kind of fly in, build the thing, and then they go and then that's it. Don't be one of those people. If you're going to venture out into this space, if you're going to take your traditional business and use it as a tool for a charitable venture, make sure you have a plan for long-term sustainability in place. That's what we would do. That's what we do every day in our businesses, by the way, right? We, we want our business to be here for the long haul, so we bring in the right people, we build the right teams, we build the right partnerships, we make sure we have stakeholders in that care about this thing existing for the long haul. Well, you need to do the same thing in your charitable venture. You need to make sure those pieces are in place. So you're going to risk building something and then coming back five years later and it just being a shell of what you had created because there was not that local buy-in. So you have to make sure and have that. Amy was very clearly on the ball with that. And I just want to, I want you to focus on that because that's a really, really important message to have and just something that I see a lot of times some organizations struggling with. Okay, last thing that, that I want to talk about, and this is this is the, the most exciting thing for me on the call, the, the idea of taking your core area of, of expertise and bringing it into your charitable work. I don't see that happening as much as I, I think it should. I think a lot of times, especially if we're coming from a traditional business background and then we're using that to leverage ourselves into a social cause, a lot of times I, I, I don't find people asking themselves how they can use their traditional background and traditional expertise in that charitable venture. And to me, that's a mistake. You need your your career field, where you're focused professionally, what you've devoted your life to, the area you have the most skills in. You should find a way to pour that in to your charitable venture. You absolutely should find a way to pour pour that in. And I know I, I just said that, that one of the biggest things you'll be able to do is your ability to produce and bring in funds will be important. And yes, it will. But in terms of really getting yourself plugged in and getting your heart plugged in, man, I, I haven't found anything better than taking your core passion and plug your core passion, your core area of expertise and plugging that into your social venture. So, and that was why I asked Amy that question. They are just rock star entrepreneurs. And so I was really excited to hear that they're trying to bring some of those aspects in. Now, Amy made a good point and I hadn't, I hadn't thought of this. There oftentimes can be some structural issues. Uh, that school didn't have, had just started getting electricity to say nothing of the internet, but she came back right away. And as we entrepreneurs do, was thinking outside the box. There's a town about 15 miles away. We could get the students there and get them on the internet and get them plugged in, um, get them doing some virtual work, those kinds of things that I think would be hugely valuable for them. And also, by the way, that is that is that is Stu's core area of expertise. And so being able to plug that in makes for 
an incredibly powerful relationship. And so I'll close out with that. I, I, I did this podcast today for those of you who who have a traditional business or, or think you will start a traditional business, but just want to, but not just, but want to use that as a tool for social good, for a social venture. And I think that's an excellent model. So I wanted to have this show for you to kind of talk through some of those things. But but if you take nothing else from from today's show, take what I just said. If you're going to go that route, find a way to take your core traditional business skill and leverage it into your charitable work. Leverage that into your charitable venture. And that's how you create a win-win. And that's how you continue contributing in the long haul. Okay, that's all I have for today. I just wanted to recap that chat been really enjoying a lot of the conversations we've been having in the community. It's a really exciting time for Social Change Nation here at the first part of the year. We have a lot of new things coming down the coming down the pipeline, and I am just really excited to keep this going and, and totally stoked for everything that we have ahead of us here in 2015. So take care, everyone, and we will catch you next week right here at the Voices of Social Change podcast. Well, hey, Change Nation, thank you again for joining us for that week's interview. That takes us out of part two and my comments. So that's the week with that social entrepreneur. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Shoot me an email at josh at socialchangenation.com. I'm always glad to chat. Also glad to take any recommendations for someone you think I ought to interview, content you think I should create, anything like that. This is a community of change agents. And so in order for that to work, I love having that dialogue. Lastly, stay connected with us. If you haven't popped into our newsletter, please do that. Also, check out our Social Good Shopping Guide at socialgoodshopping.com. These are the kinds of things that we put out for our community, and we'd love for you to take advantage of that, and we'd love to be connected with you as you create business that makes a dollar and a difference.